Hey everyone and welcome back to the Business of Fitness podcast. I'm your host Jason Klepa. On today's episode, we have MDV, our Chief Fitness Officer at NC Fit. He's been in the industry for a very long time and on today's episode, we discuss eating while coaching and just the idea of becoming a professional coach and raising the bar of our industry. We shared something on social media and it created a reaction that both of us didn't anticipate. So we just dive into it today and discuss how we felt and what's going on. If you haven't checked out our professional development series that we have coming up, you're going to love it. It's the first time we've ever done anything like this. It's a five-part series for coaches where we have a different subject each week that we dive into for over an hour with MDV and we work to develop our professional skills as coaches. If you're not a coach and you're looking to have a summer reset, we also have that program. It's a six-week program completely free. All you need to do is sign up with your email address and dive into different subjects like sleep, nutrition, fitness, gratitude, and a variety of different things. Each week is a different subject and the idea is to create better habits. So if you're a coach, check out that professional development. Would love to have you check it out. If you're an athlete or a member or just someone who wants to improve their habits, would love to have you check out our summer reset. Both of those links are in the profile for our podcast. Now, Let's dive into an amazing episode with Mr. MDV. Let's go. Let's start there, man. Uh, Did this quote or thing about food get the reaction that you thought was going to happen or was it like, because it didn't get the reaction. I I didn't think it was going to, I don't, I didn't think it was like designed to get a reaction. I thought it was just designed to like, Hey, just share insight. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's so the, the quote that was posted was posted to a Twitter account, which was reposted to Instagram and Twitter by default is kind of quick sound bites on things that don't have a lot of context behind them. Right. Like Twitter's, what is that, 250 <laughs> yeah. characters, and yeah. that's all you get in Twitter, right? right? And it, it, it was, in some senses, meant to spark um, some thought for coaches who may or may not be eating during class, and also for members to question a little bit about whether or not their coaches are eating during class, and, and what does that say about the coach's attitude toward what's going on? And it, it really was meant to inspire a bigger discussion on just professionalism in general about coaching. And you know, I I, I think that we need to raise the bar and continue to raise the bar uh, with professionalism in in functional fitness in particular and be driving that forward. I think that that helps everybody. But it definitely got a little bit more controversial than I thought, in particular with people defending eating during class. Defending yeah, I thought that was really interesting and not in a negative way. I mean, it was just, it was in the sense that like, I was under the impression that when I saw that, you know, look, you could always take things out of context with, you know, 120, whatever it is, words, and you want to spark insightful conversations. So maybe it could have been worded a little bit differently. Who knows? But people were basically saying that they thought it was okay that you could eat during classes for a variety of reasons. And uh, look, there's always exceptions to the rule, right? I mean, well, maybe not so much eating. But if, you, <laughs> if you needed to eat, right, you could have someone take the floor for you. You can go in the back and go eat. But, you know, I think what we found is that I've been in gyms before. And this was a mistake that we made way in the past, by the way. So I'm, I'm holding my hand up saying, hey, we had coaches, this is many, many years ago, who'd be on the floor. 
they were in complete training mode and they needed to eat every three or four hours with broccoli and steamed rice and, and um, chicken. And they would eat it while on the floor and it would start to make the whole gym smell like food. And, you know, I was talking to Ashley, my wife, about it. She's like, that's one of the things that I don't like. I don't like going to the gym and smelling food at all. The gym should be smelling fresh and clean and not like food because it, it deters me from my workout. It makes me think about something that's different. And so you had some coaches on there defending the idea of eating. And I guess I'd like to unpack that because, because why would they defend that? I, I'm curious. What was their reasoning? Yeah, I, you know, I, we can try to dive into like the, maybe the reasons behind some people why they might be defensive about eating during class. But like, I want to, I want to first say like, this wasn't necessarily just about eating. And I, I made that pretty clear in the comments on, on, I went in there and responded to everybody in the comments. It, you could have replaced eating with any number of other activities that aren't coaching. Right. Scrolling Instagram, taking phone calls, side conversations, not paying attention, you know, leaving the room without letting the athletes know where you're going, leaving the room early to just jet out and do whatever you need to do. Um, you know, in my opinion, anything that you're not doing to engage the athletes and produce a more positive training environment and actively coach is outside the bounds of what you should be doing during coaching. Now, some of the other stuff that I mentioned there, like being on your phone or maybe taking pictures or whatever, there are legitimate reasons why a coach might be on their phone, right? Let's just take, for example, they use their phone to adjust the music or they're taking pictures of the class for Instagram and promotional purposes and, and stuff like that. Uh, or they have an emergency and they need to have their phone handy because X, Y, or Z. Those are all legitimate reasons why you might quickly look at your phone. But I would still say that your phone should go away very quickly as well after you finish up what you need to do on your phone. Sure. Now, when we talk about eating, eating in particular, this is where it gets really interesting for me. Because although you could have substituted anything in that tweet, right? Eating also stands out as the one thing, really, the one thing really that I see there's no excuse to be eating on the floor while you're coaching unless you have a medically sound reason for it. Unless you are a diabetic. Yeah, a diabetic who, needs your blood sugar. Yeah, yeah needs yeah. food or else things are going to get really, really hairy. There's no other reason or excuse that anybody, whether it's in the comments or outside of the comments that has been presented to me, that I would say is legitimate enough that a coach needs to eat while coaching their athletes. And we can get into all the different reasons and talk about why, you know, uh, being tired or uh, coaching many classes in a row or I do something else and then I go to coach, why all of those things, none of that matters in my opinion. You know, I think that when you take that fork to your ground beef and rice in the middle of your class, you are making a firm decision to not coach your athletes at that point and to prioritize putting food in your own mouth. Yeah. And that's a big, that, to me, that's, that's so soft that someone could say, hey, I coached four or five classes in a row and I need to eat during class. 
either plan better or go hungry until you finish coaching, unless you're physically going to pass out and it's a medical emergency, there's no reason. Yeah, and I think it's a really interesting, it's a really interesting topic because I saw some people comment, hey, you know, I'm a firefighter, I get off my shift, I then go coach. I totally get it, man. Hey, you're, you're hustling and bustling, but the challenge then leads into this bigger conversation of re, reframing what a coach is in our minds. What happens is you end up getting this community of functional, you know, functional training where you have 100, 200, 300 members and you start feeling very close with them and you start feeling like it's a community and you can eat in front of them. And, but, but if we want to raise the bar for professionalism, this is a piece of that. If you're you know, a firefighter and you're on a call, would you then go eat? Probably not, right? Hypothetically, right? You'd, you'd wait until the call is over to then go eat. Because while you're at work, you're at work, right? Yeah. As an example, right? Yeah, for sure. Or like if, if you're, you're taking a, if you're called to the scene of a, let's say a non-fire incident, there's a person who's on the ground, some sort of non-serious medical emergency, and you're standing there with your crew. Are you going to now start eating while you're on that call? I would say no, right? Right. And, and, and look, we're not trying to, you know, we're, we're just, we're just sharing thought here that, you know, if you're going to a doctor's office, a dentist's office for a massage therapy session, uh, a private one-on-one -on -one session, right? Imagine if you paid as a coach, if you paid for a service. So for example, I want to go learn how to do scuba diving. If I went and go in for a scuba diving lesson, mm -hmm. how would I feel if my scuba instructor was eating? And I think when you reframe it in your mind, you start to realize that these people are paying you for an hour of their time. Mm -hmm. And whether that's on a reoccurring basis or a one-time basis, irrelevant, because we need to give them our full attention. And I think that eating is something that it, it portrays itself as if you're prioritizing food over their experience. And I know that's not the intent. And that's why people got so frustrated is because people were combative about this particular topic, probably because they do it. And I think if they do it, they should just think through that more. Like, hey, what, what, what am I instilling as a culture in our gym? And are we going to build this into a business and less of a hobby if we have this at the forefront, as yeah. an example? Yeah. It's very comfortable probably. For it's people. very comfortable. Food in general is comforting, right? When you're eating, most people feel better. You know, whether that's physically, you're actually getting nutrition or emotionally or socially. Food is very strange because it crosses all of those lines. But it is a fact that you can go without food for very, very long periods of time. Very long periods of time. You're talking days you can go without food, right? Yeah. So this is also where it's like, I'm not, I'm not saying, even hydration, like if you're drinking, like taking a couple of sips of your coffee in the morning through your class or you got your water, it's a different story for me. But the fact that there's this idea out there that coaches can eat during class and it's appropriate is just so, it's so strange to me. It's so, it's too comfortable. It's too outside the bounds of what I would think is like a professional service. And I get so frustrated when I, I have all these conversations with coaches that to say, hey, I want to, I wanna, you know, in all my years of coaching, right? This is always the, the line. I want to make more money. I want to make this my career. I want to do this forever. I want to grow. I want to be one of the best in the world. And if you're eating while you're on the floor delivering that product, that, that to me is a, is a significant reason how you're not looking at this as being 
profession, not taking it to the next level. No, it's a really interesting topic. You know, there's a lot of coaches and owners who want to make more money and improve, myself included, right? We always want to improve and move forward. And I think sometimes you got to look deep down and say, hey, it's these little micro things that could be getting in your way from progressing further. And there might be some habits that have been built in from years of doing it, but it doesn't mean it's the right way of doing it. Like, you know, prior to us having session plans, programming, whatever at NC Fit, this is probably like six years ago, you know, we'd go into the gym, we'd have the workout the night before, we'd make up the warm up on the fly, we'd be flying by the seat of our pants. And that was just the way it was. Mm-hmm. And it was okay. But once we found a better way with in-depth session plans, reviewing the content, now if we know there's something, a way for us to improve the product, it's now our duty to go out there and explore that. And just like back in the day with old school CrossFit, right? There was times where people would be eating, people would be coached with their shirts off, people would be this. And over time, we have to remove those because those are barriers from the gym getting to where it wants to be and where coaches want to be financially. And if you're okay with where you're at, then we're not having, then do what you're doing. Yeah. And this is also, you know, it's just our opinions on this stuff. And people can go out there and run their businesses the way that they want to run their businesses. And you can coach the way that you want to coach. All that I'm saying is that if, if you really want to be considered a professional, if you are looking at what you're doing as being sacred and you're going to really work on your craft and you're going to prepare and you want your athletes to have the best hour of their day and you are responsible for them during that hour eating taking a chicken sandwich out during the middle of class with your mouth full and providing feedback to your athletes whether or not they're okay with it i I just think that we as coaches shouldn't be okay with it there's like a level of personal responsibility that I feel we have to take over this craft in order to rise the tides like we always say right it's on it's it's on the coach in a lot of ways and it's also on the owners in way in a lot of ways too to set the expectation for what is and isn't acceptable on the floor yeah yeah I think you're right I mean as a community of coaches and owners we as an industry need to continue to move the ball forward and rise the tides and it only starts where all of us just start having good collaborative conversations and are not combative, right? We're not, hey, it's like, if this works for you and you're happy, it's all good. But if we want to move the industry forward and if you want to progress your business, these are some of the things we need to look at. Just like the idea of having a clean facility with a clean bathroom, with a shirt on that's branded your company, like all of these other things, this is just one piece to the puzzle. But I think food actually falls in the category that I thought, Honestly, I thought most people would agree with what you were saying. I really did. I really thought zero people would have an issue with that quote. I thought I thought we were going to get a resounding like, hell yeah, it's about or like, time. Or like, like, duh. Yeah, like, a lot of does. But, but that's what I thought. And so like, you know, you could, you, you know, things that are a little bit more controversial, for example, like, uh, I don't know, branded shirts. Like, well, I don't have the money to get my coach's branded shirts. Uh, okay, well, I don't know. We prefer it, for example, or whatever. But with the food. There's so many layers to that. Yeah. It's like, you. It, it's the way it looks, the way it smells, the way, it, you know, I just, I was shocked yeah. to see that, but, but it, but it opened my eyes to the fact that as an industry, we need to keep evaluating. And if you're evaluating and saying, Hey, this is in line with your mission and vision for your business and where you want to go, then keep doing you. But I do think that people should have a hard look and just say, Hey, what have we let go for a long time? because we've been resistant to saying anything or resistant to change. How do we draw a line in the sand and say, hey, moving forward, post COVID, right? 
as of, you know, I don't know, September 2020, we are going to enact these professional, well, let's not even, I mean, post-COVID, right? Everybody's about clean, everybody's about this, everybody's about, and, you know, what layer does that have if your coaches are eating and, you know, and then, food under your mask. I mean, that's a whole other layer, right? And I mean, moving forward from that, it's like, you know, our, you know, obviously cleaning protocols and things like that are really important and we just need to get there as an industry. We really do. Uh, you know, cause I want to watch people come to me and when we say, hey, you know, what's your take home income? And they're saying it's something that's super sustainable. They're really happy, but they obviously want to do more. I want to get to that point for our industry. Yeah. It's kind of like the old, um, the old adage, like you got to dress for the job you want, not the job that you have. Yeah. Right. And I think that a lot of that mentality can be taken with coaching too, because you can coach and be very, very, I'll call it comfortable. You can, you can coach in certain settings or in certain gyms where you can roll up in your pajamas. Yep. You can roll up in, uh, with no shirt on, sweating, and no shoes bullets, on. no shoes, yeah. flip flops, all good. And take the floor. You can curse throughout the entirety of your class. You can talk to your athletes in a way that you might not talk to your mother. Like you know, all those kinds of things. The level of respect. But I, I just think that there's something there that will hold people back from their true potential, whether or not it's their true, just potential to be great at what they do or their earning potential. And if you're going to stand there and say, Hey, listen, I'm going to charge my members, you know, 200, 250 bucks a month for this group style experience, man, I, I would want to give them absolutely everything that I had during that hour. And if I'm going to eat during that hour, I'm taking away something from that. I'm, I'm, I'm physically and literally taking away something from that experience. And you might look and you might well say, hey, you know, I run over to my bag and I, I take a few bites of a bar and nobody notices. And it's like, yeah, but why did you have to do that? What, were, you, were you so deprived of food that you had to eat? Or was it just something that you wanted at that moment and you make the decision that that's the better choice for you? Mm. Eating is, it's, it's, it's really, really interesting because it does, it's so different from a lot of the other stuff. Again, unless you medically have a reason, there's, there's almost no reason why you should eat during class. And you could go back and you could say, well, I work all these classes in a row. Well, maybe eat before or figure out what your preparation looks like. Well, yeah, or, or strategize your schedule so you're not coaching four classes in a row because then it goes back to the whole idea, are you really delivering to your potential? I think, I think you said something really, really valuable. And I think all coaches and owners, it's something I think about all the time. Am I reaching my potential? And we could talk about that in a variety of different ways. But are you reaching your potential from the class delivery? And you can show up however you want to show up. But over time, certain things will mute your potential if you don't get in front of them. And this is an example. I mean, if you're coaching five classes in a row, you know, is that the best use of your time as an owner? Well, you got to figure that out. But is that the best use of, you know, your resources in terms of like your class number five is surely not the same as class number one, you know, mm -hmm. and, and then how long do you have to go to the bathroom for? And then what other breaks do you have to take? And then how are your, how are your class flows? And so can you structure where it's two classes or three classes at the most and find somebody to come in and maybe shadow and be an intern or, or whatnot. And then they take over the warm up while you go eat in the back if you need to, as an example. Yeah, dude, like even, you know. 
even coaches, and I have a lot of respect for coaches who are out there hustling and coaching lots of classes. Of course. And it's tiring. It's draining. It's physical. It's emotional. You know, at the end of the day, you should feel drained. And, you know, I would say if someone told me they're coaching eight classes a day and they go home and they feel like great. Yeah, they feel yeah. great. They're like, well, yeah. like how? Like, yeah. Yeah. Let me, what are you taking so I can take it, right? Right. But, you know, let's say you're coaching five classes in a row. There's time, even between classes, where you could get your quick bites of nutrition if you need really needed to down a perfect bar or a protein bar or whatever. In those two or three minutes that you have between the end of one class and the start of the next, hey guys, you're going to be warming up, or you're going to be getting ready on those foam rollers, you're going to be walking around, fist bumps and high fives, we'll start class in two or three minutes. You know, during that time right there, it's far more acceptable for me if a coach said, like, hey, listen, man, I'm going to pass out. I need to have a couple of bites of this bar, take a few sips of water. I get it. But at, as you're walking over to the whiteboard to start your class and you got members looking at you and talking to you and, you know, now you're in the formal hour, I just don't see any real legitimate reason why you would, would need to choose food over coaching. Yeah, and I think it's a great um, conversation. I think if someone has a really compelling reason, I'd love to hear it. I would because I think as an industry, these compelling reasons need to be brought to the forefront in the the light so that we as a business, as as an industry can move forward together, right? If if a group of lawyers found out that all the lawyers, (laughs) middle of their session, right? You went to law school. Did they ever tell you not to eat during a, you know, <laughs> during, client meetings? during client meetings? Unless it's a lunch. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Unless it's a lunch. But you know, if a group of lawyers organization, the United Lawyer Association, I'm sure there's one of them, right? If they all came together and said, hey guys, we've been having complaints about coaches, or, uh, about lawyers eating during meetings, we should stop that. You know, it, it's not even something that goes on the radar. And I think as an industry, we need to come together and say, hey, how can we move the ball forward together? Yeah. And what are all the different things we could do? Yeah. And um, this is an example of one. And if you have a recommendation, I'd love to hear it on on why it might be an exception. Yeah. Yeah, I, that, I think that's a, that's a solid point because I do think that there's a perceived value to a product or a service, right? A general perceived value. So if you're thinking about life in general, there's a perceived value to an iPhone. There's a perceived value to a cup of coffee with a certain logo on it, right? Right, yeah. All that kind of stuff. And that necessarily drives the prices of those products up, right? And the higher the perceived value out there for the general public, the more people are able to charge for their services or their products. Right. right? So like if we want to get out of this bargain basement mentality Mm. where everything in fitness is a race to the bottom, how many class passes can I sell? How many, how low can I make the price of my membership to get the yeah. most people? Price to... gouging, price war is a big right. issue. Yeah. It race to the bottom, right? Why? Why shouldn't we be trying to race to the top? Like, why shouldn't we be trying to elevate everything that we're doing so that when somebody looks at the services we're providing and goes, I understand how and why they're charging that. Yeah. I understand why this coach makes 50, 70 bucks per class. As opposed to 20 bucks per class. 20 bucks per class is eating on the floor. Yeah. That's, uh, it's a really interesting thing because we're, we're trying to lay the framework for the next decade. 
right? It's not going to happen overnight. Yes, it's the long game. It's the long game. But over the next decade, right, there's a reason why you have a, a you know, I don't know, certain instructors making premiums because there's specific expectations and they're held to a high standard. But how do we get everybody in our industry to continue to move that direction so that when anybody comes from anywhere into a training facility that's, you know, a CrossFit or a functional training facility, they hold it at a higher regard. It's where we need to get to as a, as a business, as, a, as an industry. And one way we can get there is by, you know, conversations like these, sparking thought, right? Just because it worked 10 years ago doesn't mean it's going to work 10 years from now. Yeah. Because the race to the bottom is not a good race. No. Yeah. And, and this is also, I think, where naturally you find career progression too, right? Yeah. You, you start off someplace and you build your skill set. And then let's say you're going to interview someplace else and you blow everybody's minds in that interview. You go out there and you coach the best class that they've ever seen. That person who you're interviewing with now is probably in a better position to say, I need to pay you more than you're making and more than anybody else on my team is making right now. Right. And then down the road, if you're going to look at another opportunity, it's the same deal. You keep leveling yourself up like that. But the more you hold yourself back or the, the more you're not reaching your full potential, in my opinion, the better, the easier it is for somebody to say, well, you know what, like you kind of perform like everybody else performs. Right. And you know, this guy coaches without a shirt on too. And you know, you showed up in your flip flops for the interview or yeah, you showed why up. did you eat a protein bar during the warm up? You know, right. like you showed up five minutes late or whatever it is. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's like, what's that saying? Um, you know, how you do something is how you do everything. And it's the exact same thing. It's just, it's just one layer of where we want to get to as an industry. Yeah. And Look, if you sit there and you're listening to this podcast, you're like, dude, these guys are tripping. I'm just out there trying to do my best to coach a class. and whatnot. Look, we get it. Trust me. I've coached my fair share of classes as well. But you don't have to have a big giant gym with a bunch of money and this and that. You just need to kind of evaluate, how do I provide the best product on the floor? And if we really think back on that and really, really hold ourselves accountable to it, that's how you continue to grow your business. But if you allow these little things to deter you because they might be the barrier of, you know, the, 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 the direction with the least resistance, right? It's, it's, comfortable. The, it's comfortable, right? Then we're always going to stay as we are as an industry. We got to get uncomfortable and progress us all. Um, and that includes the business side, which we could talk about a, a variety of different times. This has nothing to do with resources. This conversation, in my opinion, has nothing to do with the amount of resources your gym has or the amount of like, um, uh, or how nice your gym is compared to another gym, or if your gym has newer equipment than another gym. It has nothing to do with that for me. It's like, it's so much more about the personal expectations that you set for yourself and what your own standard is. And like, you know, what you allow in your presence is your standard, right? That that's the quote that they have on the wall. Who's in your presence more than yourself? Nobody, right? Like, so what you allow yourself to do is really your standard. And yeah, and, and whatever you decide to do, you just got to be okay with what that standard provides yeah, for you. For sure, man. And right? if people are okay going out there and eating on the floor and they want to continue to do it. So then that's their, that's their prerogative. Yeah, so be it. Right. Yeah. They just can't get mad if the business, you know, if the business isn't where they want to be, if their coaching career isn't where they want to be. And that might be okay. 
Coaching for them might not be a full-time career and that's fine, yeah. right? But then, you know, maybe there's an opportunity to provide it to somebody yeah. else. Dude, I, you know what, like somebody had mentioned something in the comments. They were like, oh, now I'm going to have to, uh, well, I shouldn't use that tone, but they said, now I'm going to have to explain to my athletes why uh, I, I eat during class or something along those lines, right? And, you know, like... <laughs> If you're worried about that, if you're worried about why you have to explain to your athletes why you're eating during class, that, that also is like, it should be a signal that like, it's not probably something you should be doing, you know? And then also it's like, I kind of do want athletes out there to be questioning the service that they're getting. No, they are questioning the service they're getting. That's the thing. They are, they're just not doing it in think, front of people, you think right? So? Oh yeah. Everybody's questioning the service they're getting because they're either deciding to continue to pursue that or over time they might be canceling or these people might be telling their, I think the entire ecosystem could be bigger than what it is today if we leveled everybody up because then they'd be telling more friends about the excellent service they're receiving. And this goes for everybody. I'm not talking just anybody's gym. I'm talking our gyms, every gym, yeah. right? The better we get, the more people will tell their friends, right? And little nuances in the gym, maybe they don't tell five more friends because yeah. they see these little things, right? Yeah. It's like, you know, you have someone who comes and cleans your house, for example, whatever. And this is a random example. They do an okay job, not gonna, or they do a good job. You might have them keep coming because you're comfortable with that, as an example, but you might not go tell five friends to refer them. Mm. You know, how many times is that happening at our gyms? How many times are our members having a good experience? But what could we do as a business and as coaches to make it an excellent experience so they go tell more friends? This is what I'm thinking about all the time. Yeah, I, and I, I think like if you're worried that your members are gonna see a quote on Instagram or Twitter that makes them question why their coach is eating on the floor and that they might need to find a new coach, that I think says something, right? Like if, if, if your members go, yeah, man, like why is, why is my coach eating during class? And man, that, that does rub me the wrong way. Like they're probably, it, it, like you're saying, it's probably in the deep recesses somewhere in their mind, you know, and like. I, and I, what other things do they have? This isn't just about food. It's about everything. Yeah. You know, I think the, the motivation for this talk is that, you know, MDV and I really care about the product that's being delivered, not only in our gyms, but every gym, because we are big believers that as an industry, we live and die together. We grow together. We're huge believers in that because every industry has been seen that way. The more functional training does well, the more everybody does well. The more bad you know, experiences yeah, people get, the worse we do, yeah, right? Sure. And so if we could just have constructive conversations, not angry, just constructive. How do we move the ball forward? I think this is an example of one of them. And eating is an example, one example of many, many, many we could dive into. Yeah, yeah, it, does, it impacts things, man. I mean, you know, the, the cream will always rise to the top. I do agree with that statement, but I also do agree that sometimes you only get one shot at making an impression on people. Yeah. And, you know, if, if members go to a gym where, you know, or the coach is eating on the floor or they're on their phone the whole time or they're disrespectful or they're, they're, you know, not paying attention to poor movement patterns or their safety risks, that person may never try 
our type of fitness ever again. And I don't blame them for that. Right. I don't blame them. But the more that we can all be pushing towards that higher standard, the better the chances that that member is going to continue. And like you said before, they're also going to go and tell their friends and their family about this awesome stuff that we do. Yeah, we have one shot. And anybody who's listening who disagrees with that, think about something that you've gone and participated in and you had a negative experience because the person didn't make your experience exceptional, right? You probably never went back to that restaurant. You had terrible service. You probably never went back. Yeah. Now, you probably don't think that all restaurants are bad, right? But all of a sudden, you go and you have one soul cycle class and it was a terrible experience. The coach did a terrible job. You're probably never gonna go back to any type of maybe cycling again. Because you just think that all cycling classes are going to suck. What if that happens? Yeah. Hey, we got to keep moving the ball forward. We got to keep raising the bar. You know, one of the things that we do in our business is we have the NC Fit Collective where we really work hard to put out what we believe to be the best session plans, the best programming, the best guardrails we can for our team to provide the best experience on the floor. And if you're an owner out there and you haven't checked it out, would really appreciate it if you do. Um, you can email in collective at nc.fit or go visit our website. But I think, you know, it's really interesting how this sparked conversation off the Twitter slash Instagram and it just sparks a bigger question. What could we do as an industry to raise the bar and how do we reach our potential? And if we all need to be having those conversations, including MDV and I, we're not bigger than any of this. All we're saying is that we need to spark this conversation. And, so. if, and if we're too comfortable, do we need to get uncomfortable to grow? Well, yeah. Right? Yeah. Have some people hold us accountable. For sure. All right, man. Well, hey, thanks for being on the show. Keep rising the tides. Keep getting it, guys. Let's do it.